0: Welcome to Connections, I'm Colleen Hood. Today's guest grew up in a Mennonite family on a remote turkey farm in the Canadian prairies, and that led him to an unlikely career for someone that grew up on the prairies. He became an international journalist, a filmmaker, and an accomplished adventurer. Some of those adventures include a trip on a yacht, where he sailed from Thailand to the Mediterranean He also went on the sea a second time. This time he set sail for Canada's Northwest Passage to learn more about how climate change was impacting Inuit communities. And today we'll discuss his most recent adventure in 2012. He set off on a personal journey of discovery, riding a motorcycle 45,000 kilometers from Canada to Argentina to learn about his Mennonite identity. We'll hear more about Cameron Duick's story and why he decided to take that adventure. That's today on Connections. Today we're joined by Cameron Duick. He's a writer and adventurer. First of all, for those who don't know, who is Cameron Duick? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh,
1: I'm a I'm a Manitoba boy. Uh, I grew up uh, in the Interlake and on a farm. I became a journalist uh, and I went to Red River, became a journalist, and um, I um, went overseas and lived in uh, Chicago and New York and. London and Singapore, and now I live in Hong Kong, and uh, the farm or the family I grew up in, I grew up in a Mennonite family, I was born and raised Mennonite, and um, that kind of uh, has always been a big part of my identity, and uh, <clears throat> became a journalist and, and lived in th- these different cities, and ended up finding out that I kind of have a desire to go on crazy adventures, <laughs> and so I went on a couple of those, and... Uh, yeah, that's who, that's who I am, I guess. I'm a journalist that has lived in a lot of different places and, and likes to go on some great adventures and tell the stories to as many people as will listen.
0: What's been your favorite part about being a journalist? I think
1: access to people is interesting. Not in a, not in a, like access to go to, to ask people questions. So I always find it interesting. I always say that you, know, you get access to a lot of, Powerful people and interesting people and and influential people and here and asking questions. I thought I always thought that was an interesting part of being a journalist. I haven't worked as a journalist for quite a few years. I do not describe myself as a journalist anymore.
0: What drew you to Hong Kong?
1: Well, I lived in I was in I was in Singapore for a while working as a journalist uh, for Reuters, and uh, I left that job to go sailing, um, and I sailed from Southeast Asia. Um, through the Red Sea and and uh, across the Atlantic back to the Caribbean and was thinking I'd become a, a sailor, a professional sailor. And uh, at the end of that year of sailing, uh, I realized I really missed being a journalist. And so I ended up in London for a while working and then I, I really missed Asia. And so I came back to Asia and that was about 15 years ago.
0: You mentioned that you enjoy doing using adventure travel uh, to tell stories about French societies. Can you tell us a little bit more about that and what why that interests you so much?
1: Um, I don't know why it interests me so much. I mean, I think, um, so, so in Menomoto, I talk about uh, my great-grandfather, Johan. Uh, I call him Johan. His name is John, actually, but I call him Johan in the book. And... Uh, he came across from Russia on a ship and that was a great adventure. Obviously, you know, immigration, but, uh, it's still a venture, uh, or a, a traumatic experience. And it was that way back then as well, I think. Um, and so this idea of like, adventure and going to places and starting things new and building something and all that, uh, definitely was, I think, part of my family and I think it's a part of the Mennonite culture as well. And so, um, a lot of Mennonite, a lot of Mennonites, I wanted to say Mennonite men, but I think it's Mennonite men and women, probably. They um, express that through building businesses and creating farms and stuff like that. And I'm a pretty lousy businessman. So um, I went off riding and just went on adventures instead.
0: You completed a 45,000-kilometer motorcycle journey across the Americas, um, and that's what you talk about in Manomoto. Why did you do that?
1: Well, so getting back to this, uh, so I grew up Mennonite, grew up in a Mennonite family, um, and when I say grew up Mennonite, this book, uh, explores Mennonite culture, not, uh, so there's a, you know, in case anybody listening doesn't, isn't, doesn't know what a Mennonite is, but if you're in Manitoba you do, but it's a, it's a culture and, uh, there's a, you know, very strong religious aspect to it, and, um, I was particularly interested in the cultural part of it, and because living in different cities around the world, meeting people all the time from other parts of the world, um, you'd ask each other, where are you from? And they'd, they'd comment on my name sometimes. a oh, Scottish first name, and that last name sounds Dutch. And uh so I told the story again and again around the world, meeting people in different places, sometimes glamorous places and sometimes a little bit less glamorous, but uh meeting people and kind of telling them the story that, yeah, I grew up in a Mennonite family, I'm Mennonite culturally, Mennonite these are the Mennonites who are really good at farming and all this and, and, uh, living in Canada. And that's, and that became kind of part of my story. But then I guess <clears throat> I kind of, after uh, a number of years, maybe aging, I don't know, uh, made me think, Oh, I wonder that's, if that's an interesting, I've always told people that's who I am, but I always talk about being Mennonite and I wonder, like I have a pretty narrow definition of being Mennonite. I, you know, I grew up in, in Manitoba. But there's a lot of people who call themselves Mennonite who have grown up in very different places than I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I figured I'd like to find out kind of how Mennonite I was. And so um, I'd never really spe- seen Central on South America. And I knew there were a lot of Mennonites down there. And so I figured I'd go check it out.
0: And you decided to do this via a motorcycle.
1: Yeah. Motorcycles are awesome. I, um I didn't grow up with motorcycles as much as like ATVs and snowmobiles and stuff like this growing up in Manitoba in the countryside, you know, like motorized toys are, are a big thing. And so I always loved driving stuff like that. And then uh got into motorcycles a little bit as a teenager, but then I had some friends living in Beijing, a friend, a Canadian guy living in Beijing, who suggested driving motorcycles across China. And I, I'd already been thinking previously about this South America trip, but I didn't I didn't really know much about long distance motorcycle trips. And so when my friend in Beijing said, Hey, we should drive motorcycles across China, I said, Yeah, definitely. That sounded like a great warm-up trip. And so um a couple of years before I did I went on this America trip, uh, three of us took a month, bought motorcycles in Beijing, drove them across China through the Gobi Desert and Takamaka Deserts to Kashgar, sold them in the market, open outcry next to a guy selling donkey meat, sold them for cash. Took the cash, went and bought flights back home. It was a grand adventure, and I went. I really like motorcycles, so um, yeah, I figured just doing this trip on a motorcycle would be a good idea.
0: And what was that experience like? What did you learn from it?
1: <sighs> well, the the. Um, when you when you go on a journey eight month journey 45,000 kilometers 19 countries uh, and I was checking it I think it was five rear tires um, there's a lot of you learn a lot <laughs> you learn a lot and you um, the, the 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 journey kind of gets compartmentalized into different things in your mind I think in terms of there's the adventure of driving a motorcycle all those kilometers that was a really cool thing um, but the whole experience of meeting meeting these Mennonites and kind of am uh, trying to immerse myself in their life for sometimes a few weeks at a time, and uh, sometimes they were very welcoming, and I would I would say in general they were very welcoming, but sometimes they were more guarded than in other times, uh, and just doing that and so spending time on the on the road alone on a motorcycle crossing foreign countries and then diving into these communities where. You know, dinner would consist of the exact same sort of dishes my mother used to make and speaking um the, the Germanic language that the Mennonites speak, and all that sort of stuff, and doing that for a few weeks and then saying, you know, goodbye, getting back on my motorcycle, and then kind of processing all that as I would drive for a week to get to the next sort of place where I knew there were Mennonites living. Uh, it created a very interesting rhythm and a, a lot of room to sort of, process a lot of this stuff that i was experiencing and seeing and trying to kind of hold it up and reflect in reflection to my own experiences being a mennonite uh and my own definition of being a mennonite
0: for you when you were alone what was that like when you were on the road alone what were most of your thoughts about
1: yeah um <laughs> <laughs> i always say that you can only fit one head in the helmet you know and and so all those thoughts bouncing around that helmet are yours and um it was pretty intense, like, uh, riding a motorcycle, like, there's a good reason your mom doesn't want to get a motorbike, because they're pretty dangerous. <laughs> um, and that's what makes them fun, you know, and, and, you know, I, I don't, I don't deny that. Um, but being alone on the road and, you know, breakdowns and, and, and accidents and illness and all this, like, uh, I think traveling is something that a lot of people uh glamorize a lot, and I you know I love it. I love long journeys. there's no denying it. Um, but they're hard work, and that's what makes them valuable, I guess, is the fact that they're hard work. And so uh, yeah, the the journey was the journey was hard work and the times alone. um sometimes it was really beautiful because I camped in some stunning places in the mountains and along the coastlines. I would just wild camp. I would just drive down dirt roads till I'd find a spot somewhere where I felt safe and I'd just pitch my tent up and camp there. And I did that all through South America. Um, Not so much in Central America, but all through South America. And so that was stunning. Um, um, And But yeah, there was times I wish I could have shared it with friends. And I had a friend join me for a few months in Central America. Unfortunately, that part of the trip, I had to cut some of that out of the book. But um, I did have a friend join me for a few months.
0: What did you uh, learn about the Mennonite culture from being in the Americas? Is it quite different from from what you experienced in Manitoba?
1: Um. Yes. and No. I mean, without getting into like the pedantic stuff about different groups of Mennonites and and different church groups and stuff like this. Um. I mean, Med- saying you're Mennonite is like saying you're Jewish. All right? In terms of like, there's a whole range of con- how conservative you are. You could be you know, Jewish by name and you call yourself Jewish, or you could end up, you know, living a you know Hasidic lifestyle somewhere or something in and in, in you're Jewish. And Mennonite is very much the same, I would say, is that you, you have a Mennonite name and a heritage and stuff, but some people take the uh austerity part of it much further than others do. So I guess what I learned about being Mennonite or learned about that is just that um claiming an identity claiming a title of identity if you're saying I'm Mennonite um, that I, it can mean whatever I want it to mean and and I don't mean to say that in a in a, a devaluing way but it just I, I met so many Mennonites and yes there are common traits definitely I felt like I was among my people many 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 times most of the time but every now and then you go I just don't I can't associate with that. I don't associate myself with that. That's not who I see myself in the, le- through the lens of my culture. And, um, and that's okay. Uh, and so that was quite interesting where you kind of get to examine your culture like that, but examine it in all these different people you meet. And you met some lovely, lovely people. Uh, and, and, uh, definitely a lot of people that I would, I would love to, uh, you know, um, model my life after in, in aspects, but it doesn't necessarily mean that I sat next to them and thought, um, the, that we're the same kind of Mennonite. I mean, we're we're different Mennonites. We're different people. We view the things in our culture differently, sometimes value different parts differently. Um, but it was still a pretty beautiful experience to meet all those different people and be able to talk about, kind of have this entrance into some really interesting talks about what it meant to be a Mennonite.
0: What was the most memorable moment or experience uh, throughout your journey?
1: That's so impossible. That's an impossible mm-hmm. question. You know that. Um, well, <clears throat> there's many, of course, but um, I'll, I'll tell you one of the favorite parts of the book for me. And, and before I say that, I want to, it's, I'm sure many writers have experienced this, but when you go on a journey like this, or I'm sure when you research a topic in depth, what ends up in the book at the end is just such a small sliver of the entire story. It's amazing, and I like to think it's the best parts of it as well. Um, but um, there's so many things that happened, obviously, on the trip that I start remembering the trip according to how the book is. And uh, the book is truthful, but there's a lot of stuff cut out. But there was one instance. There's one. There was one uh, family I visited in Belize that really brought it all kind of home for me, and that was um, he had been a friend a childhood friend of a brother of mine who passed away many, many years ago. And uh, they went their separate ways, you know, like, you know, whatever they grew up in different places. This guy grew up in Belize, moved to Belize and grew up in Belize. And my, grew up, my brother grew up in Manitoba. And my brother passed away, and this guy had come from Belize and paid his condolences to our family and stuff. And we kind of had this connection with him, although I'd never heard of him and I'd never met him before because I'm much younger than everybody. my siblings. And so uh, just before I went on my journey – Um, my my father uh got heard the news that there had been a tragic death in Belize in this family, and he asked me to go there and and carry the condolences, family condolences there, and I did that, and I spent some time with his family and got to know them and stuff, and there was obviously a lot of a lot of history, a lot of we told a lot of stories from back in the day and and all this sort of stuff, and um, it brought the transnational sort of family aspect home for me where. I was in Belize, a country I'd never been to before. I was in this, you know, these people's home. They were welcoming me. I'd never me- I don't, I didn't remember ever meeting them before, but they had this very close tie to my family, uh, through, you know, different living in different Mennonite communities together and, uh, going there and kind of reconnecting with them. And that was a really beautiful thing. And it was kind of that experience really summed up a lot of the sort of people I met in the, in the, in the book, I think where, um, there was a connection in, in terms of being Mennonite.
0: And speaking of your family, what was their uh, response to this? You said your father had called you up and, and talked to you and told you to deliver the condolences. But like, what were their overall thoughts when you told them, hey, I'm going to go on this 45,000-kilometer motorcycle journey across America to learn about my, my Mennonite identity? What were their thoughts?
1: My dad thought I was going to look for a wife. <laughs> um, and uh, I was single at the time. And uh he thought I was going to look for a wife and, and uh he was very disappointed after eight months I came back by myself. Um but uh yeah, no, they're super supportive of it. Uh, my family has I think become a little bit accustomed to the idea that I go off and do these things. Um, and uh yeah, they were very supportive and very curious about it. Um and I tried convincing some of them to come along, but they were smarter smart enough not to do that. Um and yeah, they are they are they're super excited and they're super excited for the for the book to come out I think as well. So, um, they keep telling me that people like ask them, "Where's that, that, that? You have your brother that wrote that book, but it never came. Where is it?"
0: What was it like writing uh, about this? You said it was hard to to take that whole entire journey and put it into a book. But what was what was that writing experience like with this with this book? Well,
1: I wrote about I wrote about eight different books. Um, <laughs> they, I mean, it, the, the story really kept changing as I kept writing new drafts. Um, and I guess going back to what I said earlier, this idea that when you go on a journey like this, there's a lot of different stories you can tell. There's a lot of narratives that run throughout the entire journey and reasons you're doing it. And sometimes the reasons change and it's uh, it's uh, and there's a lot of different ways you can tell that story. And, uh, at first I started writing this book about this adventure motorcycle trip. Uh, and then what ended up is that I am on an adventure motorcycle trip, but, um, I end up digging a lot deeper into kind of, uh, why I was seeking out these communities and sort of what I found on them. And it, I think, um, I, I think I was pretty fair with it, but there was a lot of maybe a, lo- a fairly critical look at some of the issues uh, and then kind of looking at those and, and trying to figure out where if I'm off on a search to find my identity, uh, do I find any bits of it in those situations as well? And sometimes you do, and sometimes you're disappointed to find bits of that in, in you as well. But I guess that's the beauty of the search.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, what do you hope that people who pick up this book will take away from it?
1: Well, firstly, that everybody has, uh, that there's, that, you know, everybody has an interesting family history. Like, you know, I, I know so many people, I meet so many people that don't actually know that much about their family history, which in, in our culture and in many cultures is very important and recording it is important and retelling it and, and all this sort of stuff and, you know, publishing diaries and all this sort of stuff. And Mennonite culture is very much like that. And, and I'm appreciative of that because there's a lot of interesting stories. Um, and so to write this book, I delved into my great grandfather's diaries for parts of it. Um, and so. Yeah, that was kind of a cool thing.
0: Where can people pick up this book, uh, and why should they pick up this book?
1: Um, People should buy this book because it tells an interesting story about identity and figuring out who you are and kind of the interesting path that can be. And they can buy the book at all good booksellers as of March 24th, and they can also buy it online on the BibliOasis website, and um, they will post it to them.
0: And for people out there who are thinking, hey, I I think I want to, you know, go on one of these adventures and and learn about myself or, or learn about something uh, incredible out there. um, But they're kind of like, hey, mm, can I really do that? What would you say to them?
1: Get insurance. <laughs> and uh yeah, totally. You can do it like you. I- a lot of people actually do this trip or parts of this motorcycle trip. Um, there's actually I met tons of people on the road doing it and doing a journey, motor, different, crisscrossing the continent in different directions. And yeah, it's totally it's totally uh, very attainable. I mean, I didn't know that much about motorbikes, and um, people were super nice to me on the road. I was really afraid about, like, I thought it would be really dangerous going to Central America, going to South America. I mean, we went to some, you know, northern Mexico, El Salvador, some countries that have some really bad stuff going on sometimes. And uh people were, the, you know, everybody was super nice to me. I don't know why, just lucky probably. But um no one tried to rob me. You know, it's not, the world's not nearly as nasty as they make it out to be.
0: At any point, Cameron, did your motorcycle break down?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I broke down... Um, Numerous times and uh, flat, meaning I flat tired at the most inopportune times. Of course, it's always pouring rain. Uh, and just, yeah, uh, my suspension blew out uh, in Texas and uh, I had to replace. I had a couple of pretty significant crashes. I hit the back of a truck at highway speed at one point in Brazil. Um, wow. That did quite a bit of damage. Um, yeah, the bike was pretty bashed up. I ended up selling it to a Chilean farmer. Uh, because I looked at how much it would cost me to ship home and the best price I could potentially get for it back in Canada. And I realized I was better off just selling it in Chile to some guy who was going to use it to like chase sheep. And so that's what I did.
0: Was there any point uh, during that journey and during that trek that you've ever felt like you wanted to give up?
1: Yes, I, yes, I definitely felt like I wanted to give up. Um, sometimes because just the, the traveling was, I was sick for quite a big chunk of it. Like I had some sort of flu that I just kept driving through and it just lasted for week upon week. Uh, and that was kind of grim. And then having crashes and getting injured and stuff, that wasn't fun being alone in a foreign country and going to the hospital and stuff. And, um, but then there was also like, so the, the book, um, I visited a lot of Mennonites and kind of followed some of the stories that are kind of, I guess defining Mennonite pop, not pop culture, but kind of the pop view of Mennonites in some way. I mean, there's like, oh, there's TV shows of been breaking Amish and stuff like this. Um, and some of those things that they touch on are real and some of them are not. But so I dug into some of these things and sometimes it took me to places that, uh, that weren't very pleasant. And there's a, you know, a big chunk of the book is several chapters about a, um, very broad based, uh, sexual assault, a large, numerous, wi- numerous victims and numerous perpetrator, uh, sexual assault that took place in colonies in Bolivia. And digging into that and interviewing people and, and writing about that really, um, wasn't a very pleasant experience. Um, and so things like that, then when you go hit on the, when you're on the road and you're digging, you know, either whether it's physical exhaustion or mental exhaustion or just tired of asking yourself questions when you're Alone on your, with your heads alone in the helmet and you're going down the highway. Um, <laughs> there were definitely times I wanted to turn around and come home, yes.
0: And what was it that really kept you going then?
1: Well, I said I'd do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm a very, uh, I guess I'm pathetically proud. Uh, I kind of said that I was going to drive one of my motorcycle to the tip of South America. Um, and visit all these places. And so I thought the least I could do is just to, to push on and, and, do that. And yeah, I don't know. I just, personal goal, I just wanted to get down to Ushuaia um and uh and I wanted to I wanted to see where the story went I mean I didn't I I every time I went to these new communities I'd kind of explore another layer or another huge kind of topic uh related to sort of Mennonite culture and and migration and and colony colonizing and all this sort of stuff and It's just very interesting, and I and even though I was exhausted and stuff, I knew that I had to follow the story to the very end, and I did. I went down to what I'm what I think is the most southerly colony in Latin America in the Americas, Uh, and I stayed on a farm there, and that's kind of um, where the story finds its end.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today, Cameron, and telling us about your book, *Menomoto*. And for those who want to pick up that book, it will be out and up for sale starting on April 14th. Remember, if you want to listen to the full conversation again, you can always do that by visiting your radio station's website. We'll talk to you again on Connections.